If you are pregnant or you've recently had a baby, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Kath Bequee, a physiotherapist working in women's health and mum of three. Inside my online program, Fitness Mama, I just love helping support women to care for their bodies during pregnancy, prepare their bodies for birth and support their after birth recovery, helping them feel confident and strong inside out during this important stage of their lives. In this podcast, join me each week as we dive into all things pregnancy care, childbirth and postnatal recovery, helping you through every step of the journey. It is absolutely possible to feel amazing and confident in our bodies during this motherhood journey, and I want that for you. Come and say hi to me on Instagram, at fitnessmama, and let's dive into today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Pregnancy, Birth and Recovery podcast. I chat with Ruby Grace today, who is an amazing young mum who talks to us all things about identity loss in motherhood, you know, rediscovering yourself. We discussed how identity changes when you have a baby. Alongside this conversation, we talked about all things wellness, conscious parenting. It was a brilliant episode and I felt that Ruby, Ruby Grace really gave so many nuggets of gold that would be useful any woman who's pregnant or who's had a baby. And I really took so much from, took so much away from chatting with her too. And my youngest is now six years old. So six, eight and 10. So I do think any mum would benefit from listening to Ruby because she is wise beyond her years. (laughs) Now she's amazing. So do stay tuned. First, I would love to invite you to come and join us inside Fitness Mama. If reclaiming your pelvic floor, core and strength safely is important to you, and if caring for your body confidently during and after pregnancy is also important for you, then all of this is available with Fitness Mama. Perhaps you found you're not exercising as much as you'd like to during pregnancy and after birth. Perhaps you're busy, perhaps you've lost that motivation, or you're not sure how to best be looking after your body. Perhaps you've got abdominal muscle separation, or you just can't find the time to head to the gym at the end of a long day. Then Fitness Mama is for you. So join us for these convenient, short, quality, easy workouts that you can do from the comfort of home whilst your bubba plays next to you, whilst your toddler runs around, or at the end of a long day at work. Head to fitnessmama.com and the link is in the show notes. Right, let's dive into this episode. So Ruby, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I know we've been chatting a little bit on Instagram and you've got a beautiful baby boy named Kobe who is one. But thank you so much for coming today and sharing a bit about your story in terms of especially like what's happened in motherhood, like how has life changed for you in motherhood and all those, you know, motherhood, identity loss, all those important things. So thanks for, thanks for chatting today. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to be here. I haven't been on a podcast since before I had Kobe. So I feel a little bit rusty around the edges. I'm really excited (laughs) to be here. And for anyone listening, we do have, as everyone knows, sometimes 
things don't go according to plan and <laughs> Ruby's out in the garden rocking Kobe to sleep. So if you mm. can hear Ruby, um, Kobe chatting away, that's what's happening. <laughs> Background noise. So let's go straight in to the thick of it, Ruby. What's been the biggest thing, like life, what's been the biggest change that's happened with motherhood? What's what's affected you the most? Like how has it been, how, how has motherhood changed you? Yeah, so I think for me, like going into it, being pregnant, everyone talks about, you know, the sleepless nights and all of that and how it's really hard. And so I was really preparing myself for that. I was like, right, you know, I'm going to be tired. I'm not going to, you know, get the, the sleep I need. I'm probably not going to have much time alone. You know, I got prepared for all of that. And then I had my son and all of that was very easy. All of that was a piece of cake and it actually never affected me. The thing that no one told me about and the thing that affected me the most was actually the way I would feel about myself and my identity loss and the fact that I just couldn't, like I would look at myself and I'd just be like, I don't know who this person is. Like I don't know who this version is. And I think we talk all about, you know, that you're going to have a new baby when you leave the hospital, but no one tells you you're also going to meet a new version of yourself that you've never met before. And you're almost going to have to get to know two new people at the same time. And I think that was something that really rocked me because before having my son, like, you know, I share on Instagram all about like authenticity and self-love. And I was really, really like, I knew who I was. I had my hobbies, my friends, my routines. And then I gave birth my body completely changed. My routine changed. My hobbies changed. I was also the first of my friends to have a baby. So I didn't have anyone doing this with me at the same time who I could like relate to. And I just found like I had lost all my self-confidence. I didn't know who I was. And I really struggled with that for quite some time, especially when I would look at my partner who was somewhat living a normal life still. You know, he was still having his friends and his hobbies. And yes, he was doing the baby things and helping me, but like his life just looked the same, but he just got this beautiful little baby on on the side. And I was like, I actually became really resentful of him for that, even though it wasn't his fault. But I just felt like I had completely lost myself. I didn't know who I was, what I liked anymore. I didn't know how to dress my new body. Like my boobs completely changed. So every time I looked in the mirror, I was like, who is this? Like, who is this version of me that I'm looking at? And honestly, I think that was the biggest thing I struggled with because no one prepared for it. I was prepared for the baby aspect, but not the me aspect. Oh my gosh. You bring up, I think everyone listening to this, who's gone through birth of whatever type of birth and had a baby will be nodding their head and totally resonating with like feeling like yeah totally resonating with everything you're saying it's huge it's massive and I'm like why why did no one tell me that I'd feel this way why did no one warn me but sometimes I feel like before you're in before you know about it maybe people do talk about it but you don't hear it Mm, do you think yeah or, you know, like I, I think I've seen now that I've had Kobe, I have seen like, you know, quotes that have been posted where it does talk about that, you know, you're going to leave the hospital with two new people, not just one. And I think that's why, like, I wanted to share so much about my postpartum journey because I was like, you know, when now that my friends are having babies, I'm like, you know, just be prepared that it's normal if you don't feel like yourself straight away because 
everyone was talking about how like you'll have this baby and you feel great and you'll, you know, bounce back and all this stuff. And then kind of leaves the hospital and you're like, I don't even feel like that whatsoever. And that's when I was like, is this normal? Like, is this postpartum depression? Is this like, what is this? Is this baby blues? Like, I don't know what this is. And it wasn't until I started talking to other mothers that they were like, no, that's really normal. Like that does happen. Like, you know, you are a new person, like, or you're, you are your old self, but you've evolved tenfold, just like within a matter of hours, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess maybe it is talked about, but you know, when you just found out you're having a baby, you're probably more focused on the cot and the crib and the nursery and all the other things rather than being like, oh, this is about to happen to me. So at what stage did you really realise what was happening? Like at what stage did you start to think, gosh, like this is something I need to talk about or something, yeah, that I need to recognise? I think it was that like I I had noticed it the day after I gave birth and I was actually standing in the bathroom in the hospital and I was just like looking at my body like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just had a baby and I was just like standing there looking at myself and I noticed that I didn't feel like I just looked at myself and I felt unrecognizable, which is like, obviously you just had a baby, but it wasn't until maybe three or four months in that I just, I saw a photo of myself and I literally was like, I don't, I don't know who I am. And I think that's all started coming up for me. And that's when I started talking to other mums about it as well and trying to get their perspective on it. And also I think the biggest thing was that I would look back at old videos of myself and this, I had this like confidence and this glow and this aura about me that I was like, I was just so happy and I was just so confident and I would look at them and I would just cry and I'd be like, I don't, like I've lost this person. I've lost this version of me. Like I don't have any confidence. I don't feel beautiful anymore. I don't know who I am and what my hobbies are. Like I feel like all I do from the second I open my eyes is like baby, 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 which I loved and which like I actually really enjoyed. But in that same time, there wasn't much time for me to sit with myself in silence and to be like, okay, like let's reflect on the last 10 months and your birth and, you know, becoming a mum and all of this sort of other stuff. So yeah, I think at like that three to four month mark, I kind of really began understanding that I just felt like a loss of identity. And did you mourn your old life at that stage or was it more of a reflection about your new life? I think it was a little bit of both, to be honest, because I, look, ever since I was like a child, I wanted to be a mum. Like ever since I was a baby, I wanted to be a mum. Like for one Christmas, my mum bought me like a a World Vision child so that I could donate to them and send them packages because I wanted to be a mum so bad. So it wasn't that I was like unhappy that now my life was different, but I did really go through that phase of mourning my life when it was at that three to four month period. Um, not that I wanted to switch lives or go back, but I think I was looking at all my friends who had no babies and their and their partners were going overseas and they were traveling and they were doing all this stuff. And I was like sitting on the couch with like a pump attached to me and like the dirty nappy next to me. And I was like, wow, my life is really different. And it, changed really quickly because I feel like in pregnancy even though I was quite unwell my whole pregnancy I still like was able to do things you know like go out for dinners and you know like go on date nights with Tyson and all this stuff and it's like you just have a baby and that just changes you know and for a period there you you can't really do all of that stuff but then I kind of you know I talked to my sister who's a um 
a coach and she was like talking to me about, you know, the gift of motherhood and, you know, being able to say like, I didn't lose myself. I'm just stepping into a new version of myself and just trying to give it a more positive light. Cause I think I was looking at it so negatively because I felt such heavy emotions and just realizing that like this was a new version of myself and this version of myself could be better than the last. Mm. It's, it's so interesting because even what you're talking about now, I don't feel like it feels like you evolved so much and you've learned so much about yourself in the last 12 months. But I also feel like I am my youngest. I've got three children and my youngest is now six. So I've got six, eight and ten. And I feel that sort of learning, uh, rediscovering yourself, it doesn't stop. Like it was only yesterday I was having a conversation with my husband about like he's been going out with work, going out and having to entertain clients and lots of functions. And, and what you said before, it's like, you have to, I have to stop myself feeling resentful because I love the phase that I am in and I wouldn't change it, but also a little bit of you is always mourning. Well, not mourning, but you're just, I guess, reflecting on what life used to be like mm. and what it is now and how can you move forwards in the future that works with you and your family. So Yeah, exactly. And it's just also like very much like a, you know, a different mode of life. Like I was saying to Tyson when I was kind of voicing to him like where my struggles were, I was like, you know, I was a newborn like nanny with like newborns and toddlers for five years before I had Kobe. And everything I did, like I did the 12 hour days from start to finish from the time they woke up to the time they went to bed. I cleaned the house. I made, you know, all the meals. I took them places. I did the laundry. I did all of that. And like, there was so much recognition behind it because obviously then parents were coming home, looking at what I did. They'd obviously get, got paid for it. Like, you know what I mean? Whereas like, I do all of that now tenfold and like, you know, you don't get paid for it. Yes, your partner might be like, oh, thanks for doing that. But like your baby doesn't say thank you for every meal you've cooked or doing all the laundry or, you know, having to be 10, you know, miles ahead of everything so that everything's planned and coordinated. Like the mental load as well. That's also something like I just really didn't prepare myself for because I was like, oh, I've been a nanny for five years doing all of this. Like, you know, the youngest I had was three weeks old. So I was like, I'm good to go. Like there is no issue here. But yeah, it's all those little invisible things that really add so much to your plate. Um, and that was just something else, like, you know, getting used to that. Isn't that interesting? You were a nanny for years, yet it still didn't, pre- I'm sure it prepared you a little bit, but that really does show that becoming a mother, it's not necessarily all about the practical, you know, being able to put your baby to sleep and feed them. It's all mm-hmm. the as you said, the mental load that comes with being a mum as well, yeah. the emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And also I think the fact is, is that, you know, just in it's the advice I give to all my friends. I'm like the one piece of unsolicited advice I'll give you is that it's okay that your day is forever changing or what you did last week that worked is going to change next the next week. Because when I was a nanny, like the kids, the babies that I looked after, they loved to be swaddled really tightly to sleep they liked to be like shushed and they liked to be put in their cot and they would all go to sleep. Kobe literally would scream bloody murder if he was swaddled. 
and he hated sleeping on his back. He would only sleep from a newborn on his stomach. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, and there was all that stress of then trying to do it right and doing it by the book and being like, well, this worked for this baby. Like, come on, like, you know, and then having to adapt and evolve. And just when you get it down pat, something happens, you know, a sleep progression or a tooth comes in or they've just learned how to crawl or to roll and, you know, everything's up in the air again and you just do trial and error until it works again. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask you about, like you mentioned you're 23 years old now. Mm -hmm. You were, so 22 when you gave birth to Kobe? Yes. That in today's day and age is quite young. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like I, I keep thinking if I'd had my babies at 22, I am now, I hate to say it, 41 with my 10, 8 and 6-year-old. I'm like, wow, they would have been 19 years old yeah. <laughs> if I'd started as early as you. So tell me, was that a conscious decision for you to have babies early? Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so I, um, look, I've, as I said, I've always wanted a baby and I've always wanted my children young. So I am one of four and the youngest of four and my older sister has four of her own and she had her first Frankie when she was 22. And so she is now, oh my gosh, 32? Yeah, she's 32 and she has a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 5-year-old and a 2-year-old. And, you know, I'm like, oh, yes, like have my babies young, like I get to sort of do heaps of things with them. And for me personally, like, I guess this is just what I had seen being a nanny, but the parents that I nannied for were, you know, quote unquote older parents. Like they had their first baby when they were like 38, I think. Um, and you know, I saw how their life was affected. You know, they were really in their careers, like very, very high up in their careers. They had spent their lives traveling, yacht parties, going out for dinners every weekend. And their life massively shift when they had a baby because obviously that all very much changed and there was that balance of work and all of that. And so I guess there was also that, you know, for me, I was like, okay, well, if I'm not super in my career and I, you know, I haven't always done all the traveling yet, like it won't be as hard for me to adapt. And like, yeah. So when Tyson and I got together, we, we were talking about children and you know, all of that stuff. And I always said like, look, I want a baby young. And he was like, look, same. And then I think we had been dating for maybe four and a bit months. And I found out I was pregnant and I was just like, look, this is a no brainer for me. And he was like, yeah, same. And so we had Kobe. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. Gosh, love that story. Now moving, changing tracks a little bit. I know you're really into conscious parenting. Yes. So talk to us, what is it and what does it mean to you? Today's episode is brought to you by Baby Jogger, making parents' lives easier. For active families, Baby Jogger will be your go-to. Their strollers are designed with your comfort and convenience in mind, allowing you to embrace the joys of parenthood while staying active. With Baby Jogger's well-known quick-fold technology, you can effortlessly fold your stroller with just one hand, making it a breeze to store and transport. We know that every family has different needs and Baby Jogger has you covered. They offer a wide range of lightweight, compact options from single to double strollers to all-terrain models. No matter your lifestyle, you'll find the perfect fit. Whether you're navigating through busy streets or tackling rough terrains, their strollers provide a smooth and enjoyable ride for both you and your little ones. And let's not forget about growing families. Whether you're expecting another child or planning for the future, Baby Jogger is there every step of the way. 
To learn more about their incredible strollers and find the perfect fit for your family, visit their website today on babyjogger.com.au and use the code FIT20, that's F-I-T-20, for 20% off any full-priced product from Baby Jogger. I guess for me, like, you know, there is like these societal standards you see of like parenting and, you know, I guess the things that maybe our parents did or things that our grandparents did. And, you know, again, being a nanny, like I observed so many different family units, which was super interesting and like seeing how people worked and stuff. But, you know, I was like talking to people about their childhoods and like, you know, the whole, like if they made a mistake, they'd get in trouble for it. Or if they cried, it was like, you're okay. You're okay. Like you're right. Get up, shake it off. Or it was, you know, you have to eat everything on your plate. Otherwise you can't have anything more to eat. Or, you know, there was that complete hovering over them, you know, can't do this. You can't do that. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. Um, you know, children are meant to be seen, not heard. Um, all these types of things that, as I kind of questioned, I was like, you know, is that something that I would like to raise for my son or my daughter? You know, this was before I had him. How would I like to raise my child? And when we had moved to Queensland, I nannied for a family who raised their children very consciously with a very like Montessori practice. And the energy of their household alone was so calm and relaxed. The children were like their natures were just really beautiful and the children just so like I don't want to say skilled because like you can't compare two children but they were just very independent and their yeah their skills were just so advanced and they were amazing but the thing is is that you could see time and time again is that the parents respected their child and the children weren't there to be good or you know if they did something wrong they weren't ever punished for making a mistake or anything like that and I guess I just really liked that way of parenting and their approach to it I guess my mum was actually a Montessori teacher so we did a lot of that growing up that sort of approach of very hands-on the children were very interactive with things a lot of like play-based learning etc so yeah I just started researching it and following other creators on like TikTok and Instagram who did a lot of conscious parenting and looking at the way that, you know, they were reshaping, I guess, maybe discipline or, you know, um, showing how to help a child regulate their emotions or how to minimize, you know, excessive consumption in like children's play so that they actually became better, like independent players and that they could, you know, expand their creativity and things like that. And the more I learned about it, the more I was just like, this resonates with me as a parent so much, you know, and obviously everyone's different. Like, you know, some people might find that a more strict routine and strict structure and stuff works for them better. And like that's, there's no judgment there, but for me, that conscious parenting and that really aware parenting with that Montessori approach was really important to me. And yeah, I've loved it. And I've loved how it's been with Kobe. Like, He's amazing. I literally, he's the chillest child ever. And he really only ever cries if he's hungry. So he's great. I love it. I love it. That sounds amazing. So I'd love to hear some practical examples of how you apply conscious parenting in your day-to-day life. Have you got any examples for me? Yeah. So I guess like in terms of like, well, let's just like look at the most, I guess the most common one would be like if they hurt themselves or if they, you know, are upset, especially in a public setting. Cause I feel like obviously when you feel judged, it's, it's really hard to also control yourself. And I think that's the hardest part about conscious parenting is you have to regulate your own emotions because 
you cannot regulate a child if you yourself are unregulated. So for example, if Kobe hurts himself, I will never say you're okay. I'm never going to say you're right, you're right. Like shake it off, brush it off. Or I'm never going to say, don't cry, don't cry. The first thing Tyson and I both say is we get down to his level and we say, like, are you all right? Do you need a hug? And then if he wants to, sometimes he'll just sit there and he'll cry and we'll just sit next to him and wait till he's kind of like gone through the, you know, the high cry back to the kind of like the whimper. And he'll sometimes want to cuddle and then he'll just be held. Or we just say to him, if he does want to be held straight away, we just say, let it out, let it out. And we kind of let him like complete that own cycle of like, you know, he's hurt himself, he's felt the pain or he's felt upset or scared or whatever it might be. And then he's like cried, he's expressed his emotions and then he's kind of gone from a cry to a whimper to just like being sad. And he's like, we've got him there, like we're not telling him how he's feeling. We're not telling him he can't express his feelings. And it's the same when he gets frustrated, like if he's trying to do something and he can't, you know, he can't figure out the toy you know, we'll say like, are you feeling frustrated? Like, do you want us to help you? And sometimes we just leave him to it because he does figure it out. But sometimes he, we taught him baby sign language when he was about four months old. So he can sign help. And so if he does need help and he's getting frustrated, he'll sign help. And then we help him. But yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just that, and it's the same in public settings. Like, yes, they're making a lot of noise and people are looking. And I guess it comes down to regulating your own emotions, but just taking a big deep breath and being like, I kind of just try and imagine that no one else is around us and how would I approach this if I was at home? Um, so he fell off the slide the other day at the park, hit his head, screaming, everyone's looking. And I just did the same thing that I would do at home. Like give him his space, let him cry, let him be upset by it. And I also think as well as like, how would I like it if I hurt myself? And Tyson was like, you're all right. You're all right. Don't cry. You're all right. You're all right. Brush it off. Get up. Up you get. And I was like in physical pain. I would be so upset. I'd be like, no, like, give me a hug. Like, ask me if I'm okay. And so I think that, you know, asking myself how I would like to be treated is, I guess, how I respond to Kobe. Mm, that is so true. I hadn't thought about that. If we, you know, jammed our finger in a door, if someone said, brush it off, upsy days, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey. And I think as well is like giving them that, you know, that three-second pause when they hurt themselves. It's so quick to be like, are you all right? Are you all right? Where, you know, but is trying to like take that three seconds to let them react and figure out their own. Because sometimes Kobe will fall and I go, oh, like I clench because I'm like, oh, that would have hurt. But he literally just dusts his own hands and he gets up and he walks off. And I'm like, are you all right? And he'll be like, yes. And I'm like, okay, bye. But then sometimes, you know, I'm like, oh, that shouldn't have hurt that much. And then he cries, you know, maybe sometimes he's scared and he's not hurt, but it's just giving him that space to be like, all right, you can feel upset about things and it, you know, it doesn't upset mummy that you're feeling upset, you know. Your feelings aren't an inconvenience to me because you're making noise or, you know, you are upset about something or you're frustrated or whatever it might be. Yeah, I love that example. Can you give us one more example about when Kobe might be frustrated mm -hmm. or, you know, about to have a tantrum or whatever it might be and a strategy that you apply? Yeah, I guess, look, um, he doesn't really get, I guess we haven't hit the stage of temper tantrums quite yet, but he can get really frustrated if he's trying to do something um, and he can't figure it out. So I guess him being able to like ask me for help is really useful but I also try to not, 
I wouldn't use the word micromanage because that's not right. But I try and also not intervene because I, again, this is just like the way I think of it is like, if I was frustrated trying to do something and someone just took it out of my hands and did it for me, I would be ropeable. And I would probably also want to throw myself back on the floor and cry because when you're trying so hard to accomplish something and someone just takes it away from you and does it for you, that would really infuriate me. So it's just, you know, when he's frustrated, I say like, are you frustrated? Do you need help with this? Do you want mommy to show you how to do it? Or, and sometimes if he's like in a space and like, I guess I can just recognize if he's going to absolutely lose it if I help him or not. But um, sometimes I'll just like show him how to do it. And then I give it to him and I say, you try again. Or like I'll help guide him with like hand over hand movements or like if it's something like if he's in the kitchen, he has like a leaning tower that he can climb up and like grab stuff. But sometimes it's on the other side of the room. So if he can see something on the kitchen that he wants, he'll be pointing and pointing and he can get frustrated if he can't reach it. So being like, do you want me to lift you up? And then like lifting him up and allowing him to grab it himself rather than just like completing things for him. But honestly, you know, there's some days, and as I said, it's all about regulating your own emotions before you can help them. And like some days, you know, I can say like, this is how we do, you know, 99.9% of things. But there is that time where I am so tired and I'm so frustrated and he'll be like going through the Tupperware cupboard and literally throwing everything. And then he'll get up to go walk and he stands on his Tupperware lid and slips. And all I'm saying in my head is, well, you shouldn't have done that. But you know, you have to be like, okay, like time to parent. (laughs) Um, and I don't think it's about being perfect hundred percent of the time. I think it's about consciously trying to just, you know, be that 1% better. You know, if you lose it at them and, you know, you get frustrated, it's just to be like, you know, sorry, mommy got really frustrated. Like that made me feel, you know, really angry or that made me feel really upset. Sometimes I get super overwhelmed and I'm like, oh, and I just actually have to go into the bathroom and lock myself in there because I'm like, I'm so overwhelmed. And if you were to do something wrong, I would lose it because I'm overwhelmed. Like I'm not regulated. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's ever a thing of being perfect, but just trying, you know. Yeah, I like that. I love exactly what you just said. I think even like, as I said, a mother of older children now, if I can totally see a correlation, if I am tired one day, if I am grumpy, my kids will be grumpy. Mm. They pick up on our mood, you know, whereas if I'm feeling really happy, my kids are always more contented and happy. So 100%. I think that takes us back to that need for self-care, self-love, you know, mm. getting lots, as much sleep as we can, which I know is hard when you've got a newborn baby, but mm-hmm. going back to that self-care. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was another thing, like, you know, in that three to four month period that my sister said to me, she said, when I had Frankie and Isaiah, who are her two youngest, uh, two oldest, she said, I would do absolutely everything for them. And the second they went to sleep, I was cleaning the house, sorting the laundry, doing everything. But she's like, at the end of the day, I had done nothing for myself. Aaron, her partner had done stuff for himself. And she was like, well, I resent you. And now I'm angry because I've not had any time to myself. And in an hour's time, the kids are going to wake up, you know, in the night. And so she was like, if you can just do half an hour of something for yourself every day, you'll feel so much better. And, you know, I started going for walks during his nap and like listening to podcasts or getting a coffee with a friend while he was asleep or even just taking a coffee to the park and having that, you know, five minutes of peace and sanity Um, or actually asking for help, which I found not difficult because I wanted to and this was something that I did really struggle with in the beginning is that I had wanted to be a mum for so long and I held myself to this really unrealistic standard in the beginning. Like I was determined to be an absolute super mum, like five out of five, like absolutely nothing could be wrong in my eyes. 
And that was exhausting. That was so exhausting. And when I started to be like to Tyson, like, you know, can you do bath time and can you read him a book and get him in his pajamas so I can have a shower without someone trying to grab my nipple and feed off me or, you know, have to get out of the shower because I can hear a cry, but he's not actually crying. I was like, that would just, you know, be so great. And I would be able to, you know, wash my hair and wash my body and not be stressed because I knew that he was being faster you know, and just asking for help, even just for like five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it might be was great. And not also feeling selfish or like bad for using nap times to replenish your own cup, because I'm a much better mom when I have had half an hour to myself. Oh, that's such a good way to finish off this conversation today. Cause I feel in the last half hour, you have just imparted so much wisdom <laughs> from your, your 12 months of parenting plus five months, five years of nannying. You have just, yeah, it's, you've really been a, um absolute bomb of knowledge. I don't know if that's the right term to use, but. <laughs> well, I'll take it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've loved it. I've loved talking about motherhood. It's a very important topic and obviously so many of us go through it. I think that, you know, they talk about the village and sometimes it might not be a physical village, but you can have a virtual village that is just as great when you can share your feelings with people who know what you're going through, you know, and be like, yeah, you know, like I've been there, I've done that. This maybe helped me, but you know what? Otherwise I'm just here for you if you need a call or whatever, you know, the virtual village can exist. And I think it's great, you know, even being able to listen to podcasts like this on, on a walk and stuff and just being like, oh yeah, I relate to that. Okay. I'm not alone. That's great. You know, mm, it's so important. Yeah. Absolutely. And speaking of virtual village, would you like to share how people can find you if they want to come and connect. Yeah, so I've got my Instagram, which is, I shouldn't have made it with so many underscores in my name, but it's underscore Ruby, underscore, underscore, Grace, underscore, underscore. And then my TikTok where I share a lot of like my mum daily stuff is Ruby Grace 00. Amazing. And I'll pop those links in the show notes too. So that was amazing chatting. Thank you so much. We'll chat to you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you. That's it, ladies. Before I sign off, remember my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode with all the links, including the discount code for the baby jogger and including how to connect with Ruby Grace. Have a fabulous day, everyone. And I look forward to you joining me soon for another episode of the Pregnancy, Birth and Recovery podcast. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Mama podcast brought to you by the Fitness Mama freebies found at www.fitnessmama.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media and tag me at Fitness Mama so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember, an active pregnancy, confident childbirth and strong postnatal recovery is something that you deserve. Remember our disclaimer, materials and contents in this podcast are intended as general information only and shouldn't substitute any medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. I'll see you soon.